Welcome to the Bistro de Mongo. We have everything here to satisfy your voracious appetites. Horror, action, comedy. So many snacks, so little time. Trebian? But please do not gorge yourself. May I suggest we start with some Mongo mini bites? Because some movies are better in smaller portions. Hello, one and all. This is Mark from the Hail Ming Power Hour, and I'm here with a new segment for you. Because there's a lot of movies out there that are, let's just say, better in small doses. So this new segment we're calling Mongo Mini Bites. And this first tasty treat we have for you on the snack platter here is just in time for the holiday season. A fun little holiday romp we call Santa Slay. Well, the movie starts off with a well-to-do Caucasian family gathered around for a holiday meal. The key players in this consist of three daughters, one of them portrayed by Rebecca Gayhart, uh, her husband, played by Chris Kattan, the mom, played by Fran Drescher, and the dad, played by James Caan. One of these things is not like the others. A lot of bickering goes on here. The daughter snipes at her husband about being unfaithful. Father says he'd like a, a good family meal once in a while. Mother makes jokes about his sexual prowess. Standard dysfunctional family stuff. We even find out that the mother is having an affair with the daughter's husband. There's even this moment during Grace where one of the daughters is praying and says the line, Thank you for not making us poor or Samoan. At this point, Chris Kattan just looks up from the prayer over at Rebecca Gayhart and just mouths out the word Samoan? It was really bizarre and came out of nowhere, which uh, I gotta admit caught me off guard there. Just when things start really heating up, there's a noise at the chimney, and all of a sudden, Santa appears! Seriously, he comes down the chimney, breaks through the chimney, and there is a gigantic muscular Santa, played by Bill Goldberg. So for this movie, they needed a big, strong person to play Santa Claus. Someone who could be very intimidating, and yet could still capture that Christmas spirit, which I think is perfect for Goldberg. Because growing up Christian, Goldberg always had this special place in his heart for the Christmas season. And hang on, I'm getting a text here. Hang on, it says, Goldberg is not Christian. Goldberg is... Huh. You know, this is going to drive those War on Christmas snowflakes absolutely crazy. Anyway, at this point, things just go crazy. Santa comes in, he kicks the dog into the ceiling fan, kills it. Not a big fan of killing dogs in movies, but at that moment, James Caan does give this little look like, eh, I never liked that dog anyway. One of the daughters falls back out of her chair onto the dog bed, which has these four posts sticking up on each corner that drive right through her throat. He nails James Caan's hands to the table with kitchen utensils, set Fran Drescher's hair on fire, throws Chris Kattan through China cabinet, uses a table leg to kill Rebecca Gayhart, 
right as she screams out, I've been good. The last sister is running out of the room and he takes the star off the Christmas tree and throws it like a ninja star, dabbing her in the back, and then kills James Caan by ramming a turkey leg down his throat until he dies. So in the first five minutes of this movie, Bill Goldberg Santa Claus kills Rebecca Gayhart, Fran Drescher, and Chris Kattan. And if the movie ended there, I would dare say this is one of the most perfect films I've ever seen in my life. Fortunately, the movie did not end there. Like I said, some movies are just better in small doses, but no, they wanted to make a full-length feature, so let's skip a bit and get to some good parts here. So during the opening credits, we get a lot of images of Santa Claus doing Santa Claus things. However, the entire time he's doing them, they've drawn this really angry scowl on his face. It was really a nice touch. <laughs> so after that, we meet our hero, a teenage boy. I don't remember his name, and I'm not going to look it up. And that's no offense to the actor who did a fine job. It's just, this is the same teenage hero introverted character we've seen in every single horror movie. And nothing new is really added to this, so I'm just not that impressed with it. He works at this deli with his love interest, uh, Mary. She's actually a basic heroine for a horror movie as well. But the actress brings some quirkiness to the character that I really liked. So she did stand out a bit more than he did. Uh, she's played by Emile de Raven, who was in Lost and The Hills Have Eyes remake. And uh, they work at this deli with the owner, who gives them all holiday gifts. Uh, he's played by Saul Rubiak, uh, who's a fine actor. He's from things such as Warehouse 13, Frasier, Star Trek The Next Generation, Unforgiven, True Romance. You know, come to think of it, I don't understand why this movie has such a good cast. It really shouldn't. Well, we find out the hero of the movie, he's got a grandfather who's weird and crazy and the whole town thinks he's just nuts. Again, atypical kind of stuff for a horror movie. Uh, the grandpa's played by Robert Culp and seriously, how did they get this casting done? This movie should not have this many fine actors in it. So anyway, we skip forward to my next favorite scene, where the town preacher, played by comedian actor Dave Thomas, again with the casting. Seriously, this should have a Night Brings Charlie kind of feel to it, but for some reason they just get these notable actors in this. Anyway, he plays the town preacher, and he winds up going to a strip club where everybody knows him, of course. Due to some marked bills, you can tell he's using the church's money in order to pay for his good time. At this point, Santa Claus rides up in his sleigh, which I don't think I've mentioned at this point, is being pulled by a white buffalo. For some reason, they refer to it as a reindeer in the movie, but it's most definitely not a reindeer. He gets out, he gives the sleigh over to the valet, goes up to the front door, and the bouncer doesn't want to let him in. Which I don't understand. There's no reason not to let him in other than to start a fight for the sake of the movie, which it does. And he uses the wreath on the door to strangle the bouncer to death. Goes in, delivers the charming line of ho ho hoes, and grabs one of the strippers as she walks by and kisses her, but then points to the mistletoe like, ah, you see, you can't get mad at me. Well, the other bouncer inside, he gets mad and goes over to kick 
Dick Goldberg out and Goldberg Santa wraps him up in some Christmas light and throws him into the bar where the bartender was carving up some fruits for some cocktails and when he turned around the bouncer rammed straight into his knife and so the bartender and a patron at the strip club pull these uh, mining tools off the wall a shovel and a pickaxe guess it's a mining community so they have them as decoration and they both charge at Santa to try and kill him which one I think is just the most glorious overreaction you could possibly have and two the bartender is actually the one who killed the bouncer I know it was an accident but you can't really blame that one on Santa all he did was shove the guy the bartender is the one who stabbed him well anyway it breaks out into a big fight where Santa is pulling off some wrestling moves and beating up the bartender and the other guy with the shovel while he's doing this of course all the girls are running around topless and there's one on a trapeze swinging above the stage and Santa Claus jumps up sticks his head in between her legs and swings to the other side of the room and drops down now the reason I bring this up is the woman playing the stripper on the trapeze is actually the future Mrs. Bill Goldberg they met on the set of this movie which means when they met did not know each other before he stuck his head in between between her legs and then later in the day said if I'm not being too forward maybe I could take you out on a date well I, I'm glad things worked out for them <laughs> anyway he winds up killing the people in the bar uh, all the strippers are gathered in one corner he grabs a piece of coal out of his pocket and breathes on it and it turns glowing hot and he throws it to the ground the club catches fire there's one moment at the end where a girl is leaving and she goes by really slowly to get through to the door around the fire and really the only reason this scene is on there and is lingering as long as it does is because the woman is topless and you just know the people filming this said you know what take a little extra time with this scene <sighs> written and directed by men so we cut to our hero who has some of the greatest out of context lines such as I want to know the truth about Christmas I mean just say that in a any other situation is just wonderful <laughs> anyway his grandfather has a book that has the history of Santa Claus in it. It's done in a flashback that's set up like a Rankin-Bass animated special. Oh, it looks just like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or any of those. Uh, we find out that Santa Claus is actually the Immaculate Son of Satan and he was put on Earth to cause chaos and torment, but an angel came down to Earth and disguised himself as an old man and bet Santa Claus that he could beat him in a contest, and if he did then Santa Claus would have to stop killing people and being horrible and become a symbol of joy for the next thousand years. So the old man beat him in the greatest of all sports competitions, curling. Yeah, apparently curling plays a really big part in this movie. <laughs> so the old man wins, Santa Claus has to play nice for a thousand years, and the boy realizes a thousand years has passed, so the bet's off now. After that, there is a funny little quick scene where the preacher is in mass and he's praying for the souls of the strippers that were killed in the fire Santa Claus started. So he's saying, let us pray for the souls of Crystal Candy, Sierra Rains, Dixie Rex, Testicular. <laughs> it's quick but it's funny. There's a lot of it's okay to skip moments going forward from this point. 
So Santa kills their boss at the deli. There's a weird cameo scene in here from Tony Lister playing a gas station attendant. Uh, I say it's weird because this scene had no point, none whatsoever. It was like they're just saying, look at this scene, we got Tony Lister to be in our movie. I personally think if I'm gonna be shelling out money to get Tony Lister into my movie, I'd be giving him a bigger part. I'd have him play the mayor, or the preacher, or Santa Claus. I mean, the man no sold for Hulk Hogan, I think he could play a wrestler playing a killer Santa Claus. So anyway, the cops take the kid in for questioning. He tells them about a killer Santa Claus. They don't believe him. He goes away. Santa shows up, kills all the police officers in town, finds the kid, chases the kid. They go back to the grandparents' house. They go to the bunker that grandfather has created in his basement. From a narrative standpoint, the next scene is kind of important because you find out that the grandfather was actually the angel that had the bet with Santa Claus to cause him to be nice for a thousand years. Why they put a time caveat on that, I have no idea. He could have just said, you're gonna have to be nice forever, but he didn't do that. He winds up killing the angel grandpa character makes a grandpa got run over by a reindeer reference. Very necessary information. So big chase scene through the town, sleigh going after the kids who are driving away. If it sounds like I'm rushing through a lot of this, it's because I am, because it's not really important. The only thing that happens here that kind of pays off later is Sando winds up taking the priest as a hostage who's dressed in a Santa Claus outfit. Anyway, they find the kids. They're in a ice rink. Santa's getting ready to kill them with a Zamboni machine because he likes to take his time, I guess. Anyway, at that point, the grandpa shows back up as an angel and challenges him again to another game of curling. This time, finally saying, well, if I win, then you're gonna have to be a, the nice Santa Claus forever. And Santa says, okay, but if I win, you go into this pit of hell that I've created in the ice. So, grandpa goes first, gets his rock very close to the ice, and then Santa Claus grabs the grandfather and just chucks him in the pit to hell. <laughs> okay, well you learned from your last competition, so good on you, Santa. The grandson then shoots Santa Claus with a nutcracker that shoots out acorns. Don't ask, I don't understand it myself, but he has one. It shoots Santa, he falls back, then when they're not looking, he turns around and leaves. Turns out the grandfather didn't fall all the way down into the pit, so they drag him back out, and he goes back to heaven. That's his part in the movie. So while flying around in the sleigh, the young hero and his girlfriend find the girlfriend's family at a shooting range and tell them to shoot Santa, and so her dad shows up and blows him out of the sky with a bazooka. Now, you may be thinking about now, why didn't I mention this gun club earlier? Uh, why didn't I introduce these characters earlier? Because they weren't introduced earlier. She makes an offhand reference about her family being gun enthusiasts, but they've never shown up in the film until the very end, where the dad shows up with a bazooka. That's how they take out Santa Claus. So if the ending isn't insulting enough, they find the wreckage of the sleigh, and in it is the dead body of the priest who's dressed as Santa Claus. And the whole town assumes he was the killer Santa. And our young hero, ladies and gentlemen, says nothing. He doesn't clear the preacher's name at all because he's like, what does it matter? 
you know what? I think that's a good way to sum this up here. What does it matter? A uh, very last shot of the movie is Santa Claus booking a flight to the North Pole. So that's Santa Slays. Is it a good movie? No. Is it as so bad it's good movie? Kinda, kinda. It's got good moments in it. That opening scene was great. The scene at the strip club was great. Um, it's a lot of fun in parts. And kind of the theme of Mongo Mini Bites. It's not good as a full meal, but as little appetizers. I think you can get some enjoyment out of this one. So for Mongo Mini Bites, this is Mark saying, Don't ruin your appetite by filling up on junk.